This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You had to know that when Wingstop set out to make a crispy, juicy chicken sandwich, they wouldn't make it in just one flavor. They'd make it in all 12. Like lemon pepper, mango habanero, hickory smoked barbecue and OG hot. So why have one new favorite chicken sandwich when you can have 12? Try the new sauced and tossed Wingstop chicken sandwich today for only $5.49 at Wingstop where flavor gets its wings. Valid for a limited time and available at participating Wingstop locations only while supplies last. Price subject to applicable taxes and fees. The good times are back. West Ham, get in there, you are Listen to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. The three points at Palace was our sixth straight win and the boys are flying. Fourth in the Premier League, one game away from an FA Cup quarter-final and a squad of players to be proud of. David Moyes has certainly earned a future at West Ham, but if we achieve something special this year, the Golden Sullivan deserve a future too. We'll be discussing this and more before getting a weekly news update from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. X, we smashed on Caster to get our fifth straight win. And then we go away to Palace, which is never easy, and secured our sixth straight win. After 20 games, we're now fourth in the Premier League. It's getting better and better for West Ham, isn't it? Mate, it's unbelievable. Like, I never would have thought in a million years. If you'd said to me that this is what our season was going to be like, this is what it would be. Because, you know, we were in a relegation battle last year. We, we were really didn't look like we really knew what we were doing. Obviously, Moyes got us performing towards the end of last season. But the, the transformation... Uh, this year has just been phenomenal. You know, I actually really, really, really enjoy watching West Ham at the moment. Um, not necessarily the, the football, but the confidence I have in the team and the the confidence I have in the players. There's not a single player that I don't rate in that starting eleven, and it just feels really, really good. Like when Palace scored their goal, I was you know a bit disappointed. But I thought, oh well, we'll get back in this, and I, I can't mm. believe. I feel that confident about the side now, but it's just amazing. It's a really, really good time to be a West Ham fan when there's all this kind of doom and gloom in the world. And West Ham are like the shining light at the moment. And as I've said on this podcast before, my life was always the other way around. It was always the club that brought the <laughs> doom and gloom. But, I'm, but it's role reversal at the moment. I know. And who would have called that? Oh, it's incredible, wasn't it? But yeah. no, I, have, I have to pinch myself when I look at that league table because it's not even like we're eight or nine games in. We're 20 games in now. Yeah. And we're just doing so well, so well. Uh, when you published what the team was going to be last night, everyone seemed to be in agreement that that was the best side available. Do you agree with that? Is that our best formation starting 11? Have we got this nailed on now? Um, I think so, mate. The the only sort of slight dilemma is, is obviously that Masaraku is not around at the moment, and you could argue that he was playing really well when he was fit, um, and obviously he was isn't available at the moment. So there is the argument that would he get back into the team, but I don't know where you'd be able to play him because you'd have to change back to the formation of five at the back, possibly. And yes, that did really well for us, but the four at the back seemed to be working really well as well. Um, so I think or out of the players that are fit, I would say that that is definitely the strongest team, yeah. I think so. I think so. I mean, I love Masuaku and I was calling for him to, to get back into the side for a long time. But you're quite right. I don't like the idea of changing back to that formation, even though it started looking so well for us, because obviously playing the formation that we play now frees up 
the opportunity to play a number 10, which is working brilliantly well for us. I mean, again, you could argue that he should start on the left wing over Fournells, but then Fournells, I think, whilst there are one or two question marks, in my opinion, he's a bit of an unsung hero, really, because I think one thing that some people overlook with him is how much defensive cover and support he gives Creswell, which I think is priceless, really, for his role. Um, And it's interesting because me and you have both agreed that he isn't necessarily your winger, and you probably put him as a number 10 and, if anything, Benny on the wing. But I think, you know, the the fact that he defends from the front is so important, really. So, personally, I think that team that was out last night is a team that we should go forward with, really. And the, the, the more time they have to play with each other the better, really. Um, in terms of last night, I mean, we can review the game and talk about the performance, but the truth is we're finding ourselves saying the same thing every week now. Yeah. Um, it's a compliment to our consistency, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's also consistency in terms of the team selection as well. I think that's been really, really important. The team now is getting reasonably easy to predict. I mean, unless there's an injury going forward to the Liverpool game on uh, the weekend, I would suggest that the team is going to be the same as it was uh, yesterday um, because you're just getting the right players in the right positions. Now, for me, there's no debate as to any of those positions now, because occasionally you can say, oh, do you go with uh, Balbuena or do you up alongside of Bonner? Do you go with, you know, maybe Lanzini in there? Should Yarmolenko start? Fredericks or Chaffel? Maybe, you know, there's there was previously those debates, but now I don't think there is. I think, I think the team that started yesterday is clearly the best team, and therefore it creates... Um, a lot more consistency and also the players just see in that starting they just seem to get on so well if you watch their body language and their reactions to goals and at the end of the game and stuff they're all hugging each other they all seem to get on really well it's every player seems to interact with every player you don't seem to have the clicks and I think you know the addition of the two Czech lads have really really helped that because they've obviously mm. got a natural friendship themselves both very crucial players for us and I think that really rubs off on the other players too and I just think it feels like both on the pitch and off the pitch the chemistry is really really right and I think you, you, you have to credit Moyes for that like mm. Moyes has just done fantastic at getting them to be that way like I saw a I didn't really read the article so but I saw the headline and apparently Suchek and Chappelle stay way beyond the hours that they need to at the training ground, just improving themselves, improving themselves, improving themselves. And apparently that's a knock-on effect on some of the other lads. So, you know, those two themselves have to have a huge part. But again, Moyes has brought in the right players that have that ethic. And my word, has he he turned this club around? Oh, it's incredible. Again, I, I, I just couldn't have called it. He's just far exceeded my expectations. And, you know, I said a few shows ago that I take back everything I said about him. I feel quite ashamed about it, really, because I I gave him next to no credit at all, really, when he got the job the second time. And it was completely unwarranted because it just goes to show that you give a manager a little bit of time to implement his ideas and work with the players, it can bring fantastic results. And, you know, something else I think is fantastic that he's brought to the side is just how physically fit we are. I mean, it really stands out to me. I mean, we're always on our toes, chasing opponents down, breaking at speed. They're they're such finely tuned athletes these days. And what I find incredible is despite how hard they work over a 90-minute period, they never seem to be burnt out. And again, I think that's that's a testament to David Moyes' training and, and the way he gets them looking after themselves and working hard to be as fit as they possibly can be. And I, it, I think that's that's incredible. But generally speaking, and we do say this every week, we're just so well organised, committed, hard to break down, good at set paces, a phenomenal central midfield, and there's mm-hmm. goals in us. I mean, I honestly, I, I haven't felt this way about watching West Ham since our final season at Upton Park. I don't know about mm-hmm. you. Yeah, I agree, mate. And just to go back to the thing you said there about the fitness, um, it was interesting. I think it was the possibly the Don... Well, I forget my Doncaster pronunciation because someone really pulled me up um, for this on Patreon. Who's from there. Apparently, you don't say Doncaster, although I notice you do as well. You have to say Doncaster. Um, but and I, I've, got, I've got a massive uh, description of why it should be Doncaster and not Doncaster. So Is that right? I, 
I, I personally think it's a regional thing. I think if you're from sat down south, which obviously you and I are, you would say Doncaster. Whereas if you're from up north, obviously say Doncaster. It's a bit like graph and graph, isn't yeah. it? And then grass and gr- and grass, um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and things like that. So personally, I think from a southern point of view, I'm saying Doncaster correctly, but I'm going to go with Doncaster, so I don't get any stick. But um, if you the pundits for the Doncaster game were um, Leon Osman, I think, and Jamie. Um, what was his name? Beckford, was that his name? The forward that they had from Leeds. Um, and both of them were saying that pre-season used to be like so like fitness-based with Moyes on the, on the running and the stamina, and he would really drive them. And they would dread pre-season. But then when the, the actual season came around, it really stood them in good stead. And I think, like you said, you can see that. Now, obviously... Player ability is important, very important. Obviously, mentality is important. But in the modern game, two crucial, crucial criteria are speed and stamina, uh, like the physical aspects of it, uh, because technically a footballer is very good. Now, if you're in the Premier League, technically you're a very good footballer. It's those sorts of differentials that make a difference. And I think that's where Moyes is got that spot on he's got the chemistry right between the players and he's got the fitness right and as you said it is the most exciting team since the um last season at the bowling it's the most successful team as well you know we've won six games in a row i mean wow when does that ever happen as a west ham fan and i think part of see it's a difficult for argument here because i think Part of the reason we did so well in the 2015-16 season was because it was the last season of bowling and there was that euphoria on it and the players were like rising to that um, and but then on the flip side you've got this season here where the players aren't playing with any pressure from the fans which I also think has helped but don't dilemma on that point too much because it comes up in the questions at the end but I do I do believe that that is a factor but yes it's, a, it's like you said mate it's an absolutely amazing time to be a West Ham fan I look forward to every game you know, we've got Liverpool at the weekend I'm not that nervous whereas I've dreaded that game last season mm. Well, going back to the Palace game, we ran a poll with our patrons to see who they thought was man of the match against Palace. And uh, Suchek won it by a mile, uh, which is no surprise, followed by Ben Rama in second, who had a great game X, by the way, didn't he? Yeah, he did, mate. I really like him. Mm. He is still raw and still got some things to work on. His final ball at times is not the right choice. At times, he tries to take too many people on when it would be better to pass it. However, he is that that spark, that rawness, that creativity, that flair, that directness with running with the ball that we need. I kind of see it as like every other player in the team in their formation does their job like they're solid at their job there. You know, they're not, they know what the job is. They're consistent to that position. They're strong in their position. Whereas Ben Rama, I wouldn't say is that, but what he brings is that unpredictability, that flair, that excitement, that raw talent. And I think he he is a really important player and I'm delighted that we've signed him today. Yes, absolutely. And more details to come in your section yeah. for sure. But yeah. and I think he's a player that's only going to get better and better with Premier League experience. Agree. So Agree. I like him a lot. I like him a lot. Declan Rice followed him in third. In fourth place was Craig Dawson and uh, in fifth was Pablo Fornells. But we've said it before, we'll say it again because I don't think you can <laughs> say it enough. That was our sixth win in a row. <laughs> I believe yeah. the club record is nine which was achieved in in 1985. With Liverpool on Sunday, I know you said there that normally you'd feel quite nervous, uh, but you feel quite confident. Do you think our successful run will come to an end or will we continue to surprise people? It's so difficult to predict that game because we're doing so well at the moment. Um, But obviously Liverpool are Liverpool. But but then Liverpool have just lost to Man United um, in the Cup, haven't they? Uh, They're playing now, I believe. I'm just going to quickly see what the score is so that that will sort of help the debate. Um, They're not playing now. now. Man United are losing to Sheffield United at half-time. That's an interesting one. Are they Uh, really? Yeah, that helps our title challenge. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. uh, Yeah, so actually looking at the league now, Man United, considering they are meant to be in the title race at the moment, have played the same amount of games as us and are only five points ahead of us. 
Well, you know, and Liverpool are behind us in the league at the moment with a game in hand still. But this is what I mean. This is why I don't feel them so much. I don't think Liverpool are peak Liverpool at the moment, um, and whereas we're peak West Ham. So I think it's a really good chance to play them. What what would be what would be interesting is I'm very keen to see how Dawson does against a team like Liverpool because mm. don't get me wrong. Dawson has been absolutely phenomenal since he's come in. I mean, he has shut, like Moyes has, shut up. So many West Ham fans that prejudged yeah. him. Um, you know, I wasn't as against the signing as most people were, but I didn't think for one minute. Obviously, he was going to be as good as he is. I thought he'd be good cover, not like, you know, one of the first names on the team sheet. But I'd be interested to see how he does against someone like Salah or Mane or someone like that. A bit of pace, a bit of flair technically better than some of the other players he's played against since he's been at West Ham. I'm interested to see how they get how they he gets on against them. Um but I, I think I I don't know mate. I really find it hard to call at the moment draw is what's singing my name at the moment. Um but who knows with us mate, who knows? Yeah, I'm the same as you actually. I'm exactly the same as you was I, I t- I'm not convinced we're going to win because let's have it right. It's still an incredibly tough game, incredibly tough game. Um, but I'm definitely not convinced we're going to lose. So I think I'm going to go for a one-all draw on okay. Sunday. Yeah, I, um, think I feel like that or two-two maybe. Okay, okay. Uh, we worry about the future of Declan Rice on a regular basis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two questions. Two questions. What are the chances of keeping Declan now? Lampard has been sacked, and also. Shouldn't we be just as worried about clubs sniffing round Suchek? Um, so this was coming in my section again, but we'll scrap that because I think it is relevant now for this section. I think Lampard being sacked is a really big thing for West Ham and Declan Rice. There was no question about it. Jody Morris, obviously, was the assistant as well. And Frank Lampard made it very, very clear that they wanted to sign Declan Rice. They've been doing it for... A long time now, you know, not tapping him up, but through various means, Rice would have known that Lampard and Morris were interested in him. Um, And so the fact that they're no longer there and it transpires that one of the reasons that Lampard was sacked was because he was so insistent that he wanted to sign Declan Rice and the club's hierarchy were apparently against it. That obviously I don't think that was the only factor he got sacked. There was numerous others, but it was a, a considerate. It therefore suggests that Chelsea have no interest in signing him. Already they've appointed mm. their, that new manager um, and he's already dropped Mason Mount and, and things like that. So the, the, the spine of English players that um, uh, Lampard was trying to create at Chelsea and he it might not be the same for the new manager. And I think it's massive news for Rice, that for us and Rice, that that's happened. I think Manchester United like him. Um, and, and like I said, all clubs should like him. But whether they'll like him enough to pay the money that we're thinking we want for him, there's rubbish. Mate, in the press that we've now lowered our offer, our expectations to 50 million. That's absolute bother. <laughs> hey, it's absolute why, bother. Why the fuck would we have ever done that? I know, exactly, mate, but it made all the nationals and stuff, and I don't understand how stories like that that can have no credibility whatsoever. It was because they're saying that West Ham are, don't have much money and stuff, but David Sullivan, yes, you might call him money-grabbing, but he's not going to sell rice for anything less than what he's worth because he knows that he's the star player of the team. And, that, um, and so... So there's no way we'd be doing that. And yes, Suchek is going to start to get interested as well. I mean, why wouldn't he? I mean, look what he's done for West Ham. He's just absolutely superb. He always, like, he, I always feel like he's going to get a goal. You know, obviously he got two against Palace. And I just think he's been such a good signing. And what I love about him as well is his personality. And like he's, he seems like a bit, a bit harsh, a bit like a geek, but like a lovable geek, if that makes sense. <laughs> and, like, yeah. and everyone seems to kind of like him and get on with him and stuff and he's just such a threat from set pieces um, and mate it's, it's got to be the one the best central midfield partnerships that I've ever known at West Ham I can't oh, yeah. I, was thinking, I was thinking about it like you know I first started going in 1991 I was thinking about midfield partnerships and I do really struggle to think of one that's better mm, mm, yeah I'm with you I'm with you and and I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again 
you look at them now, I think they're the best central partnership in the Premier League. Yeah, you can't. I can't think of one that's better, mate. I, I know. I know some fans might be sitting there going, oh, "Are they getting carried away with West Ham's success?" But name, name two better ones. I can't exactly. think of one. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. So, you know, even Man City, I look at them, I think, I don't know about that, you know. And I, I, I think I, th- I wouldn't change them. I really wouldn't change them. Not, no. not for that position that they both play. You know, Declan, obviously, and, and Suchek are both, they're almost turning into both box-to-box midfielders now. Whilst I wouldn't have ever said Declan was that, if you noticed, as I said last year's shows, it's starting to come into play now. He's been encouraged to be far more attacking and far more direct. And he kind of hovers around the edge of the penalty area now and breaks through midfield, which he never tended to do in the past before he sort of sat in front of the defence and just knocked it off to... um, to play people now he drives with it and Suchek does the same but Suchek provides a goal threat and between the two of them it's just such a productive partnership oh it really is it really is they just work in unison so well and um they're just an absolute joy to watch and again both of them they just don't they don't know what a bad game is today they no, don't know what a bad game is they're so consistent incredible yeah. players well incredible the, I, players. I couldn't tell you a bad game that either of them's had for West Ham. I mean, in Declan, you might go back to like when he first started a couple of like sort of dodgy ones when he was 18. But I mean, honestly, Declan's played, was it 58 games where he's played the last 58 Premier League games and played 90 minutes in every one, you know, uh-huh. like, and, and like, I think it's been like, I don't think he's ever got less than a seven out of 10, I would say in those games. It's just, mm-hmm. Consistently good, and all these football fans of no of other clubs that want to say that Phillips or Longstaff or n- nobody's like that are better than Declan, and saying it because they're biased, but also they just don't watch enough of West Ham. Like Declan Rice is not a match of the day player. You know, a match of the day player is someone that does fix skills and scores. Whereas obviously in his position, he don't do that. But if you watch ninety minutes of West Ham you see how good that player is oh mate honestly make no mistake and you're right about the match of the day analogy by the way but if he played for Man City or Liverpool he would already be regarded as one of the best in the world for his position I'm I'm absolutely convinced on it absolutely convinced and the thing that is so nice about him as well is that he's such a good lad you know like you get Mm. a player that's like that good you know, that's talented. Pick one, for example, it's Grealish. No, I mean, I don't know Grealish. I might be being a little bit harsh, perhaps, but you just have to look at his off-the-field things that he's got up to recently and the way he behaves on the field and stuff. You think, oh, my God, you're a little bit of a ratty prick. Um, and <laughs> he... <laughs> Quite to add ratty in, but I think he looks like a rat. Um, but, uh, and uh, and, De- and whereas Declan is just a generally a nice guy, loving life as you would at twenty-two, being being who he is, loving life, got all the time in the world. For the fans always positive and upbeat, respectful to his family, been with the same girlfriend since he was like fourteen or something. You know, there's there's just a really general down-to-earthness with him, which is so important. I get the same vibe from Suchek as well. You know, I don't know Suchek. I don't know his background, but he seems very loving to his wife and his new child that he's got. I'm just really happy to play football. We, I don't feel we have egos in the team, which I mm. really, really like as well. I think that's massive, what you just said there. Absolutely mm. massive. And it, it just... It, it helps so much because it avoids things like clicks. It avoids yeah. people getting above their station. Um, yeah. And it just encourages a great team atmosphere and team ethic. And you speak to any ex-player that played through a successful era at West Ham, and we'll take the 86 era for a start off because we know so many ex-players from that time. Every single one of you will start, every single one of them will start by saying, we had a great group of lads. Yeah. yeah that That is always at the core of a team success. 
And, um, you know, and it's, it's no coincidence that at the top of that tree on the pitch, wearing the armband is Declan Rice. It's a testament to his character. And uh, he's got a massive future, massive future. I don't know if it's going to be at West Ham. I hope it is, but he has got a massive future. Well, um, it's like, sorry to interrupt, mate, but it's getting a little bit like when we had, you know, Rio Ferdinand uh, uh, back at the um, end of the 90s, you know, where everyone knew how quality he was and he was standing out and he was like really, really, looking like an amazing player um, and then we got to the dilemma where we got offered 18 million for him and stupidly now with hindsight we took it because I mean he was only 18 months later we went for 30 million so even if you judge it on that alone it was mm. stupid but when you consider who we bought to replace him as well you know in like Rigobert Song and Titty Camera and crap like that um, it was um it, it was a bad a bad decision to sell him and and this is what we have to learn from with Declan no matter what price we get offered we, we we're not guaranteed to a get anyone anywhere near as good to replace him and b spend the remainder of the money properly anyway so you might as well have the product that you know is successful and is going to work and not entertain any offers for him um and what no matter what it is and build your team around him he's 22 he's a captain he plays in the center of the park for his country as well build your team around him and if you look at it when you got Kafal uh, Shafal young enough um you've got Suchek is young enough Ben Rahm is young enough Fornells is young enough you know that's four or five Five players that could be there for a long period, you know, mm. build your team around them. Yeah, you know, mate, sorry. Yeah, no, Bowen's another one as well. He's young. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, true. I think you're absolutely spot on. I wanted to ask you because you've said previously that the club tend to look at contract renewals around Christmas time, yeah. and we're now at the end of January. Have or are any talks? taking place with Moyes and the players and the first player that comes to mind would be Declan Rice because surely in light of Lampard's departure this is the time to sit him down and say Declan is 200 grand a week and that 200 grand is a reflection of what we feel about you and in in return we want to build the whole side around you and you will be the club captain and become a legend just sign a five or six year deal. You know, surely that's a conversation that's got to be worth having. A hundred percent, I agree with you. But the problem you've got here is that Declan is on from memory. He's got five years left of his deal, right? That I do know what he's on. But it's not fair to say necessarily, but let's say that what he takes home is between forty-five and seventy. 55000 a week, right? Yeah. So he's earning a decent wage, but obviously a wage that's not necessarily justifiable in terms of comparisons to other players, um, what it should be. But so for West Ham, they know they've got him for five years. Really, if you're going to get Declan what he deserves, the figure that you've said is right about, I would say, minimum 150000 a week when you think that the likes of Hernandez um, and various others have been close to earning that um much money, the, the the we know what the board are like. They're not going to turn around and say, All "Right, Declan, you've got five years um, left. Let me give you a six-year contract where we're going to take you from seventy thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand. We're going to double your wages because they're still going to technically get the same duration out of him." And I know that's a shitty attitude, and believe me, I don't wish that to be the case. But I feel that that is the case. I think they want to to tie him down on a new deal. I think they really do. But the way West Ham work, they're not going to jump, in my opinion, to almost doubling his wage. They would maybe say, right, Declan, we'll give you 100000 But then, so Declan's got the dilemma. Does he push for the figure that he's deserving of? Or does he just take the 100000 because it's 30 grand or 40 grand or whatever more than what he was on before? And I think that lays the problem there. Yeah, I, I just think he's so tunnel visioned for a couple of it reasons. Is, it is, you know, you're going to build the team around him, but yeah, of course you are. But the thing is, you, you've also got to you've also got to put yourself in Declan's position because all right, he's got five years left in his contract, but it would be so naive to think, well, that's okay. If we don't want to sell him, we won't sell him. We've got him for five years. If it reaches a stage where he gets the ump and he doesn't want to renew again, 
when he's got two years left, one year left, six months left. He could potentially, like some players do, and I'm, I'm not being funny, Declan is a good lad. He's not like some of the other examples I can use. He could potentially go for fuck all in five years' time. He's also going to spend the next five years at West Ham thinking, I'm worth more than this. I'm worth more than 50 grand a week. There are players at Man City, Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, who are not performing like I'm performing, yet they're getting paid £100,000 a week more than I am. So, uh, if, if anything, you would safeguard yourself against that. You would, you would put that concern to bed. Your top player, your crown jewel, your captain, the last thing you want from him is having that thought in his mind. Whereas if you stick him on 200 grand a week, right, which I know sounds ridiculous money, but you know you're going to get that return back from Declan. You know you're going to get an eight or a nine out of him week after week after week for the next five or six years. Just do it because it's madness if you don't. And secondly, if you choose not to put that 200 grand a week in because you think it's astronomical amount of money, how much are you going to have to spend replacing him? Because I'll tell you something now, you won't be able to replace him. Yeah, exactly, mate. I mean, it all it all makes sense to um to tie him up, but that I just I just that's my gut feeling. As I say, I'm not. It's not factual, kind of, but it's a inclination as to what um I think we what will happen with Declan. Um, but I think there'll be other players that get tied down or staff that get tied down before he does. Would be my gut feeling. Mm. I mean, talking about Thomas Suchek, I mean, it's it's only a matter of time before he starts getting looked at by some top, top clubs, I think. I mean, when you put it into perspective, he hasn't actually been here that long. Um, but I think with Thomas, I don't know. I mean, he seems settled in London. He's clearly enjoying his football. Uh, he's still new to the division. He plays with his best mate and he's only 25. So you'd like to think he wouldn't be in any rush. And life, I'm guessing, is pretty good for Suchek at the moment. And he seems very humbled and actually quite appreciative of the fact that he plays for West Ham. And I love that about him. So I'm not as worried about him as I am with Declan. But surely to God, it's only a matter of time before some inquiries start coming in. Because he is just a top player, isn't he? Top player. And I can't believe that there are scouting networks all over the world that haven't picked up on him before West Ham. I know. Well, this is... This is why it is just so important to get the right scouting network, as is proven by yeah. signing him and signing Shafal. You know, Shafal, yes, seems to have been a recommendation by Suchek, ironically, but had we, we picked him up for five million, mate, I mean, mm. you, you, you wouldn't get a decent championship right back for five million. You know, you wouldn't, you, that's just not the prices anymore. So to get someone to come in that's playing back consistently in the Premier League at right back for that money is an amazing signing. And again, not just is he good at football, obviously, he's got the right mentality as well. I love his personality. He He's already, even though he's only been here, you know, for you know, five months, whatever it is, he or he already is up there with one of my favourite right backs of recent years. You know, I, I feel really, really fond of his style of play. You know, he's uh, he's aggressive. He takes a kick in himself. He gets up and down the flank. He puts good crosses in. He's solid in attack. At all, you know, he's. He's a, a he's got a, a physical build that he doesn't get knocked around by people. Oh, I just think he's got everything, mate. And I think, like you said, the the quality of scouting now is the key to success because West Ham can never spend 50, 60, 70 million on a player. But if they can pick up players like those two, then you don't need to. So we can compete mm. with the top teams because we can get better bargain players. Yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. Going back to the contractual negotiations, are there any taking place at the moment? Do you know of any conversations that are happening, including Moyes? Well, you've got Fabianski. I think they're going to extend his, possibly. I believe Noble has been offered a one-year deal. Not sure why he's taking his time on this, which is giving me a little bit of concern because I want him to stay for another year. There is no way that Mark Noble should go out of West Ham in empty stadiums like we have this season. I think he can do one more year. I think it's 100% clear now that he shouldn't start for West Ham. I think it's 100% clear that he is on his way out, but I still 
think he can put in a 15, 20 minute shift from the bench, like when you're trying to close a game down. So I would give him a new deal, and Moyes will get a new deal. That there's no way that the board are not going to give him a new deal. The problem that they've got is that Moyes' stock now has gone from where he was basically begging West Ham to let him be manager to a point now where other clubs are going to be looking at him shortly because they must see my word, look how well he's turned around West Ham, that clubs that are sort of struggling a bit, that need that turnaround perhaps, I can't think of someone, Crystal Palace maybe, I don't know, someone like that. They are going to be looking at him and thinking, well, you know what? He's not on a big salary at West Ham. He's only got a contract to the end of the year. Let's go to him and double his wages and say, look, there's a free four-year deal. So Moyes' stock value is rising. However, I do think he is going to complete a new deal soon. If we're what? How many points are we away from 40 now? Because that was always the thing that was said. It was said that when we know we're stats, we're five points away. So we're five, that's a what? Let's say a win and a two wins away from, I reckon him getting a contract if he hasn't got one already by then, because I think the, the philosophy is he will get a new deal when West Ham stay up. And right. Yeah. Stay up, let's be honest, but, you know, 40 is always the magical number, they say, don't they? So, Yeah, absolutely. And it, it just shows how far he's come, because he is now in a position, for the first time, where the club need him more than he needs the club. Yeah, massively, mate. That's a very good point. Massively, because well, the club does need him more than we than he needs us, because he's going to start to get other offers. And yeah, who really is out there? Really, when you look at the market, that you can say, yeah, definitely. If Moyes goes, that's the guy we need to get in. Realistically, you know, the Potocino still hasn't got a club yet. What you do question why that is? Um, and I can't even think of anyone. You know, like, so there is no one better out there for West Ham. So we need to get him signed up very soon. And I would say, give him a free four-year contract. And even if, even if next season is a struggle, as long as we don't go down, just give him those three or four years to build on it. Because if we replace him, we'll probably struggle anyway. But he might be able to pick it up again. You know, that. The, the West Ham managers of old or the successful managers in the Premier League, if you look at you know, John Lyle, um, and then you you look at Alex Ferguson, uh, I know I'm p- picking extreme examples, but did you know that Jurgen Klopp, at the same amount of games that Lampard had got sacked um, from, had a worse record than Lampard? Really? So, yeah, so imagine if Liverpool had sat Jurgen Klopp then, which there was some talk. Look at Solskjaer. I know they're losing to Sheffield United at the moment, but there was so much talk about him getting the sack, wasn't there? And now he's, now he's got them in a title race. Um, and so I think you've got to give Moyes time. You've got to. We've chopped and changed managers a lot recently, which isn't in our history, because I've got a history of loyalty to managers. We've got to give him a new deal. We've got to say, right, this is your project, Moyes. Because also the benefit of Moyes, sorry to go on, is that he is what he works well within a restricted budget. You know, Pellegrini, mm. despite what you say about the chairman, Pellegrini got a lot of money as West Ham. He got paid a lot of money and he was given a lot of money to buy players. And look what happened there. You know, mm. most of them have already been shipped out. Um, whereas Moyes hasn't had that money, but he's brought in the likes of Boeing, Suchek, Chappelle. You know, you can't argue with any of those. No, you can't. 100%. Um, he's in a really strong position now when he sits down with West Ham and good luck to him. He's earned that right. So he should be sitting down with his agent and, you know, if they've got any common sense, they'll be saying, look, Celtic are, are on the phone constantly. They know how much I'm getting paid. I don't know how, but they do. They've offered to double it. Um, and there's a few whispers from some other clubs in the Premier League that are making inquiries because they know my contract's coming to an end. This is what I want. Do you want me to carry on? Uh, it should yeah. be as simple as that. And good luck to him because he's earned the right to have that conversation. I think he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, for the record, I'm 99.9% sure that Pochettino is at PSG, by the way. Is he? I think so, yeah. Wow, how have I missed that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to actually have to look that up. Well, that's really yeah. crazy. If I've completely missed that news. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that is the oh, case. He is. He is. Jeez, when did that happen? <laughs> recently. Okay. Well, yeah. it, mate, honestly, as I've said before, right, doing what I do 
God, that's crazy. I didn't even hear that. Um, doing what I do with West Ham and being, you know, West Ham ITK or whatever, and dedicating as much time as I do to West Ham, my knowledge of other teams become pretty much non-existent because I have to devote so much time to West Ham. I don't have time to pay attention to anything else. Um, you know, like, and I genuinely, I don't think I've watched Match of the Day all season. I don't think I've watched anything football related apart from West Ham. The odd game I might have on in the background when I'm doing something else but not one that I particularly focus on. Like, I, I honestly think if I walked down the street, yeah, and I had famous footballers walking past me, like, regularly, I don't know if I'd recognise half of them, you know, if they didn't yeah. play from West Ham. Whereas in the olden days, like, when I was really into my football and not so much dedicated to West Ham as such, I mean, I was just supporting West Ham, but I didn't do what I do now. If, I, if someone from, like, QPR walked past me, I'd recognise them. It's strange, really, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so... Taking him out of the equation now, there's obviously <laughs> absolutely no one really that I can think of. No, absolutely not. And, you know, you've only got to look at what he's delivering for West Ham. Why would you even want to consider it? So, no, it's uh, incredible. Well say, another thing that I think is important to put on record here is that, firstly, we've hit the post the record amount of times in the league. Yeah, we've had no penalties either. There's probably a couple of times when VAR has been very dodgy in decisions towards us. In fact, it's not probably. It definitely has. And uh, so that so almost luck has been against us. We've had injuries to Antonio, who obviously is so vital to our team. Um, and yet we're still where we are now. And the final thing that I think needs to be said about Moyes is not only do the players respect him, he's brought in a, a staff behind him that the players mm. also really respect but also the staff that aren't you know your direct f f squad first squad staff all love Moyes as well he's very popular with like you know the academy staff with the groundsman with the you know the tea lady to use the you know coined phrase but he's a very popular person he's got time for a lot of people he wants to manage the club properly in the right way um he's going to revamp the scouting network which i'll talk about in my section but things like that he really feels like he wants to get like the, the grip on this club and turn it into the big club um that we were promised that we would be in this stadium and i've fair play to him and good luck and what a story you know the man was pretty much bombed out by West Ham by West Ham fans his career was at a, like almost like rock bottom in terms of what it was compared uh, when he was at Everton going to Man United and he's turned it around and I, I've got utmost respect for Fanta pubes <laughs> and I haven't used that term since. I'm no, quite you haven't. I'm, I'm quite disappointed in you, actually, X, to be honest with you, mate. I'm quite disappointed. <laughs> I thought it was a bit of use of a term of affection now. <laughs> rather than insult. <laughs> well, listen, winning, it's what he does. It's yeah. what he does. That's what he says. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, this run of form that we're in has got everyone very excited to a point where some of us are starting to dream a little bit. If West Ham achieves something special this season, and by that I mean an FA Cup, or let's say more specifically Champions League qualification, would you be prepared to give the owners another chance? Oh, great question. I contemplated putting this in the section at the end because um, a few people asked that um, and I wasn't sure whether I wanted to commit to the answer just yet. <laughs> um, usually I'll put me to it. Um, it would go a long way for appeasing things for me, a long way because ultimately my frustrations where I um, finally said I was GSB out, having given kind of various chances, my frustrations were that we weren't progressing on the pitch, but we were just as good as we were at Upton Park. Um, and I didn't agree with the appointment of Moyes. I thought that was, um, you know, cheap option. Blah, 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 blah. That's why I became them. Yes, there's other factors. I think we were lied to about the stadium. I don't like some of the the way we do things. It's all a bit sort of dodgy in some ways. Um, and I don't like kind of the PR side of things. But ultimately, the main, most important thing for me is 
yes, the West Ham family, but also how we're doing on the pitch. Now, if we qualify for the Champions League, that is what they said they would bring to West Ham. Um, and if they do that, then they have kind of met their biggest promise. Yes, it's a little bit later. I think they said within five years, but that was just ridiculous to say that. Um, but if you got if they've done that and we can maintain it as well, that is the key to maintain it, then they would go some way. However, they still not they they really we really have a chance this year really have a chance to push on but if they were that if they were the right if they were properly ambitious for this club they can say right Moisey we are literally on the brink of getting Champions League or even being in a title race you know we will give you a hundred million for players this window and we and, and just go out there get a decent other striker get another midfielder and, and you know maybe a cover at left back or whatever go out there and do that and we could have really we could really have a title chase here but again we're looking for loans and not committing to signing players and I, I don't know I don't know I don't think just yet but I think it would go a significant way if we did do that we would have yeah. to it. We have to maintain it. I don't want it just to be one season and then back to fighting relegations again. No, absolutely not. And I did a poll on Patreon earlier today asking that very question. If we did something special this season, i.e. Champions League qualification or FA Cup, would you still want the owners gone? And the result was a landslide. I mean, we had... Well, I'm looking at it now. I only put this up a few hours ago. 1,905 votes... And 1,649 of them said they'd still want them out. Yeah. Um, it's because it's gone on for so long now. Like, yeah. you know, it was like three years of not d doing very well. And then we'd, and then we did well this year, then it wouldn't be like that. Uh, but it's the fact that it's so long. And also the, the stadiums, the, the stadium thing is still going to be an issue because it's still not home. It's still not right for football and until we own that stadium and can make it ours then there's always going to be an issue the only way that stadium move was going to work and people would take it in the form that it was in you know not really right for football is if we had a top four challenge every season and we haven't so we have to in order to that to shift we have to be able to maintain this this can't be a, a one season wonder like it was in the last season of the bowling it has to be a consistent thing no oh, you're absolutely right you've hit the nail on the head 100 percent um i'm pleased you said what you said because i was kind of getting ready to put my tin hat on because i was gonna play devil's advocate with this a little bit because only 256 people out of the 1900 said that they would want them to stay um i as i talk to you now i'm 100 categorically gsb out um and i kind of ran alongside you really with the timings of when that happened um but I, I don't know. I, I think about this, and I think this question is quite a difficult one. It certainly isn't as easy for me as it was for a lot of our patrons. To well, be the honest. other thing is as well, mate, you don't know what the alternative is. You know, if you, exactly. if you were to me, you have a GSB or you have a, I don't know, a billionaire that loves West Ham, he's going to plough everything into the club, he's going to change the stadium, he's going to give us... Hundred million every window, etc., etc. Then you go. Of course, you go with the other guy. But if you're going with some unknown entity that hasn't managed it, hasn't done that, hasn't owned a club before, you don't really know them. They're not West Ham fans, etc., etc., etc. You don't know what you're comparing, what you're asking for. No, you don't. And and there is an element of me that thinks. Be careful what you wish for. You know, we could end up with another fucking biscuit baron and we're facing administration in two years' time. You don't know. I mean, how many clubs have gone out of the Premier League and not come back? And whilst I totally understand that this goes beyond what we're doing on the pitch, I totally understand it because yeah. I too am GSB out. But Upton Park is gone. We miss it. We want it back. It can't come back. It's gone. New owners are not going to bring it back. We'll still be playing in the same stadium under new ownership. And we left Upton Park with the promise of this club going to the next level and, and us having happier times as West Ham fans. And I believe that Champions League qualification would be next level. Um, you know, I just think if we was to finish as the fourth best club in the country 
in the best league in world football, I think I find it hard to passionately protest for new owners. You know, it would, it's. Yeah. Um, Do you know what would be? It'd be a little bit embarrassing, mate. I think in some ways, and I'm going to get a stick for saying this, but if you if West Ham qualified for the Champions League, and then there was marches outside the stadium to get rid of them, yes, you'd have people explaining that it's not about what happens on the pitch. You know, after I saw Hammers United did a tweet about that, but. You couldn't help but look at that as a fan and a fan of another club and think, you know, what the fuck? Why are West Ham fans protesting? They've just got Champions League football for fuck's sake. You know, it would give that element to it. Well, I've seen firsthand fans from other clubs say, like, what the fuck is your problem? Like, you're sitting fourth in the Premier League and you're still saying you want the owners out. And and I think from an outsider's point of view, they don't really get it because they're seeing a club like West Ham in the top four of the top tier. And, you know, we're moaning. And, it, and again, it does beg the question, really. Fans haven't been at football all season. And I just wonder, I'm not, I'm not saying it would make the difference, but I just wonder how much of a difference it would make for the players driving in to see a march on the hills or to see a GSB out flag being held up as they're driving in or to play at Anfield and hear uh, it's all lies, lies, lies. You know, I don't know how much negativity could subconsciously sit within their brain and affect their play. I don't know. All I do know is that it hasn't been very nice at times at West Ham over the last five years and we've struggled. And now we're not at football. We're flying. Now, I don't know if that is just pure coincidence. It probably is. But it, it does beg the question. And it's a question that's been asked quite a lot to us on this show. Do we think that we'd be doing as well if the fans were there? And it is a very tough question to answer. I don't know if I've got the answer, but one point that I do want to make is that on that landslide of a poll, and believe me, I must stress, I'm only playing devil's advocate because honestly, hand on heart, I don't know the answer if we were to qualify for Champions League. I don't actually know where I would sit. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm looking at some of the comments on the polls and quite a few people are saying uh, it's, it's, we're doing well in spite of having GSB. This is down to David Moyes. This is down to the players. Well, I understand that, but who employed David Moyes? Exactly, and this is when I criticised GSB, and I said things like, you know, we when if you remember back, you know, sometimes you would say things like, it's the player, and you were right, but you would say, oh, it's the players on the pitch not performing, oh, it's, you know, the manager not delivering when it was Pellegrini, mm. and I would say to you, ultimately in any organisation, who is it that appointed that manager and who is it that sanctioned those transfers? So in, with that in mind, it works the other way. You know, like you said, yes, Moyes has done an unbelievable job, but they were the ones that twice appointed him. That's right. That's right. And took a lot of flack in the process and knew that they was going to take a lot of flack by appointing him for the second time. So, you know, and again, you said it yourself. They talk about the players, the fantastic starting eleven we've got there. Who sanctioned the signing of those players? Who paid the money? Who backed their manager when they said they wanted to sign those players? And I think the biggest problem I've got, and it's not just because I'm looking after the owners. I think anyone in life, whether you're Joe Bloggs off the street, I'm a big believer in credit where credit's due. You know, and mm-hmm. and it kind of needles me to a point. When things go tits up at West Ham, people only ever look at the owners. But when things are going really well at West Ham, no one looks at the owners. And I don't think that's fair. No, I don't either. I agree with you. And I, and I do totally understand why people... And like I said, let me make it clear. And you've made it clear. We are both still GSBL. However, oh, yeah. it, it does have to work both ways. You know, if West Ham qualify for the Champions League, yes, we'll never get the stadium back. You're right. And that's not been handled properly. But we, we can't... Do anything about that, and if and you can't even say whether if we'd have different owners, they would have stayed up some part. Because look, we, I will admit, when the decision came up to leave up some part to go to the London Stadium, I was for the London Stadium move. I was very keen. I even wrote articles saying what a great move it was for us. Yes, with hindsight, I don't agree now looking back, and I think I bought in to promises that weren't delivered. However, I. I did want it, and I think most fans did. Yes, there was a core group that didn't, but most of us could see the potential it brought. Yes, that again, like I said, it didn't live up to what it was meant to, but we did buy into it. Um, what what I'm saying is, is that 
you you have to um you have to sort of judge it. Um would anyone would another chairman have moved us? They probably would have moved us because they've got a free stadium technically and sold the other one that was much, which was almost double the capacity. Um, and yes, like I said, it wasn't done right, but I think others would have done it. Um, and I think you have to look at it subjectively. I'm not going to change. If West Ham get into the Champions League this year, I will be like, okay, I'm not going to boo, I'm not going to be GSB out, I'm not going to be anything, but they have to prove to me that that that's not a fluke, and next year Mm. we will strengthen the squad to maintain a decent Champions League. I do not want to hear David Sullivan or whatever coming out and saying, oh God, we're in the Europa League, let's say, and we have to pay all this money to fly players to Russia or whatever. That would really, really piss me off. And that's sort of been hinted through Clarence and Hugh articles, and that's when I can revert myself back to GSBL because I think to myself, for fuck's sake, you're chairman of a club that you apparently support, you should want them to achieve whatever they can achieve, and if that means getting into Europe and having to pay a bit more money for squad depth and travelling, then you do it. You know, I'm not asking you to spend a fortune on it, but you support it and give us a chance. That's when I get pissed off. But yeah. even even the PR side of things... And I know it's a lot easier for that to happen when things are going well, you know, you, you when things are bad, the PR looks bad, and when things are going well, the PR looks better. But that seems to have sorted itself out a little bit at the moment. So, yes, whilst I am still GSB out, I am prepared, if they can maintain this for a couple of years uh, or and beyond, to reevaluate. Mm, yeah, totally. I mean, I'm just literally looking at a Patreon post that's just popped up and there were so many. This one's from Steve Brooker. Uh, and the first bit of it just said, one possible decent season doesn't make up for all the lies, uh, broken promises and awful media persona, not to mention the move from Upton Park and a complete cock up with the stewards uh, and so forth and so forth. I agree, mate, and I agree he's right. You can't just dismiss it like that. That's no. why I need a good two or three seasons to then think, okay, you know, they have finally got it right now. But, you know, the thing, that again, that retracts me a little bit into being pissed off with them is that they went for that um, Moroccan forward that plays for Sevilla that they offered, I don't know what it was exactly, but say 30 million for him. They knew they would never get that player, that he was valued at least 45 million. So firstly, why make off? like that that are just never going to be accepted and second of all if you really want that player just stretch that 15 million and bring him in if that's the if that's your number one target then bring him in mm, yeah totally oh right. it, it, there's absolutely no excuse i mean especially if we was to qualify for the champions league i mean that that carries a lot of money in itself not just as a premier league finish but you've got the the, the additional tv rights with that and you know that that is a point where you start to dip your toe in elite level then. You're playing in that sort of competition and that is when you would then have the opportunity to maybe speak to some of the top players from around the world because you are now a Champions League football club. You know, the the possibilities are endless if you then managed it and strategised in the right way going forward. And and to be honest, it does worry me that they wouldn't do that. It does worry me because, um, I don't know, they keep pleading poverty over and over again. I think they've been very... Well, they've either been fortunate or it's a stroke of genius that they've managed to put this side together with the amount of money that they've actually spent. Um, It depends what way you see it. But 100%, there is no excuse that if we do get to that level or even close to it and you don't then take the opportunity to pump some money into that side and back your manager, then you categorically have to sell to someone that will. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And this, again, goes back to what I said earlier. We have to know what the realistic alternative is because at the yeah. moment we don't know what that is and if you remember when the club was bought by Golden Sullivan yeah Fernandez who's the owner of QPR now or I think he is you know he might be the owner of PSG for all I know but he was the, <laughs> the, the owner of QPR last I heard um, and he and, and you know that that in itself tells you how well he did there and I can't even rem- remember who the other fellow was I think they might have had they might have owned Leeds for a little bit possibly or Watford or someone like that and they didn't achieve anything either so it does depend what is out there um, and you'd like to think because we're all West Ham fans that all these billionaires want to buy the club but despite what Secret ITK was trying to tell you all a few months ago 
There has been no concrete offer for the club, so you can't compare it at the moment. And, you know, the GSB out movement, I understand it's still gaining momentum. And I think in our section, we talk about, um, I have asked the question, what impact they have on on like you know what impacts the protests and stuff how and no crowds being a game has had on our season but I think it is important to to state that we know that they are anti the fact that the club's losing its identity and what the club's ethos is etc etc <clears throat> but ultimately what most football fans care about yes we care about the West Ham family please don't think I'm uh, watering down how important that is but most most football fans the most important thing is how you're performing on the pitch and at the moment you cannot fault that at all no absolutely not we've only got to look at the fact that everyone's happy everyone's happy yes people still have some issues with the ball but I, i think in recent times people aren't really necessarily even thinking about the ball because you know to a degree i actually think to a massive degree to be honest it is a results based business you know, if we win the league this season, it's not as if the first thing people are going to say is, I just wish the owners weren't here, you know? They still probably want it, but it won't be in the forefront of their minds because they've just won the fucking league, you know? And it's and this is why I think it's it's an interesting question to, to talk slightly more realistically about Champions League qualification. I mean, I, for one, don't want to be a negative Nancy. I don't think we will make top four this year, to be honest. Um, but it's not out of the realms of possibility. And I think if we did that, I think that you have to give credit to the club, not the manager, not the players, but the club. Every single person that is employed by West Ham United has to take credit for an achievement like that. Um, and look, it'll be, it'll be a nice problem to have, won't it? So let's just hope we, we get close to fucking achieving it. Well, mate, at the moment, I, whilst we've been discussing this, I've just had a little look at the results again. Um, so Everton were winning 1-0 against Leicester. Where we want to draw from that game is now one all. Um, Leicester have equalised 83rd minute, and it's now Manchester United one, Sheffield United two. So wow. United are losing at home to the bottom team. Chelsea was nil nil with Wolves. Villa lost to Burnley. Um, so you look at it like that. I'm looking at the league table now. We're fourth. We've got the same games as Leicester. We're four points behind them. Same games as Man United. We're five points behind them and one uh, more game than Man City. We're six points behind them. You know, we've got Liverpool below us, Spurs below us, um, Everton, Chelsea. Like, you know, it is a possibility, mate. If we can mm. maintain this consistency that it is a possibility yeah the only thing that worries me is that we are potentially one injury away from fucking disaster yeah yeah that's the key thing that is the key thing this is where we could all come to pot is if we don't get the squad depth yeah absolutely well you gave me your prediction for liverpool on sunday and in terms of predictions you've actually hit a decent run of form, annoyingly. This week in the competition, you scored 113 points, taking you from 142nd to 128th, which has closed the gap on me after I went from 106th to 110th. Um, I scored 57 points this week. So there is now just 41 points between us. So it's getting interesting, mate. That's one game's result. If I get West Ham right this weekend and you don't, it yeah. is, mate. It is. It is. It's. Uh, it's quite close, which is really annoying. And I just wish to God I wouldn't have told you about the no bookings rule for yeah. West Ham because that you've used cool. it every fucking week since. Haven't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, look, and look, surprisingly, I'm now getting back to catching you up and stuff. So the actual true indicator of your success was oh, was your loophole in the game. It appears. No, I only used it for one week before I told you, and, and we got fucking booked. So I actually haven't nicked a single point out of that. I could have done if I'd have kept my mouth shut. But um, no, you live and learn, don't you? You live and learn. Okay, you know what time it is? To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon.com 
forward slash the West Ham way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham way podcast extra time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. The share-it-with-a-friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.